Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and let's just read from verse 1. <clears throat> it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all, <clears throat> and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth in Judea, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let's just open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Holy Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here once again and to come around your word. And Lord, as we draw nigh into Christmas, Lord, and we begin to remember the, the birth of our Savior, I pray, Lord, that you just bless our time around your word. Lord, I pray that you would give me wisdom and guidance this morning as I preach. Lord, you would speak to each of our hearts. You would teach us through your word, refresh us through your word this morning. May everything I say this morning be your words and, and your thoughts. And Lord, we pray that you would be honored and glorified uh, in this, this, this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Luke chapter 2, of course, records for us the familiar Christmas story. Now, although it is familiar, it shouldn't diminish how great and wondrous this record is of the birth of our Savior. It shouldn't diminish the greatness of this passage. Now, before us, we have the events recorded surrounding the birth of the eternal Son of God. It's the eternal Son of God as He left heaven's glory and was born, you know, in a manger, uh, laid in a manger. Born in that stable and laid in the manger, and He took upon Him the form of a man. Now, verses 1 to 8, which we're not going to look at this morning, we're going to skip over them, but in verses 1 to 8, we have the events leading up to Christ's birth there in Bethlehem. You know, it was prophesied long ago that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem in Judea. And so God makes sure that Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem in time for the Messiah's birth. Now, God is in control of the whole situation. God is moving Mary and Joseph. You know, it's, yes, the decree goes out from Caesar Augustus, but God is in control, isn't he? God is making sure that Mary and Joseph are at Bethlehem in time for the Messiah's birth. It's all according to his plan. And even as they arrive in Bethlehem and there's no room in the inn and they end up having to go to the stable and Mary gives birth in the stable and Christ is laid in a manger, it's still according to God's plan. There's no mistake in this. 
It's all according to the eternal plan of God. You know, although Christ was born in a lowly place, his birth still received some of the great fanfare that it deserved as angels from heaven announced his arrival to shepherds on a hillside outside of Bethlehem. In verses 8 and 9 we read, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. You know, his birth wasn't announced in any palace. It wasn't announced to any great official. But it was announced with great fanfare to some shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. Now we're told in verse 9 that suddenly this angel of the Lord appeared unto them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. You know, one moment everything is silent, everything is calm as they are watching their flocks. And then suddenly standing before them is the angel of the Lord. And at the same time, the glory of the Lord is shining round about them. You know, this heavenly brightness, this manifestation of the presence and the power of Almighty God is flashing all around them. You know, is it any wonder that at the end of verse 9 we read, and they were sore afraid. You know, these men are scared stiff by what's happening, what they're seeing before them. And this is an incredible experience for these shepherds. And you know, the experience is only going to get better. As the angel now goes on to proclaim unto them, the Messiah's birth. And it's this proclamation from the angel that I want us to consider this morning. In this passage, there are four statements made by the angel of the Lord. First of all, we, we see in verse 10 that they are told to fear not. In verse 10 it says, And the angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The first thing that we read here that the angel tells the shepherds is, he tells them they have nothing to fear. And as we said in the introduction, we can understand why they are sore afraid. And we understand why they're scared stiff at the appearance of this angel, at the, at the glory of the Lord shining all around them. We can understand why they are sore afraid at the appearance, the presence of this angel. You know, not only would they have been fearful at the appearance of an angel before them, but also they would have been fearful as to why the angel is there. You know, what is, what's the message of this angel that's standing before them? You now they must have been thinking, you know, is this a message of judgment? Or is it a message of blessing? Are we going to die because we've seen the angel of the Lord? That is the reaction most people, when you can look through the word of God, had, isn't it? When they met the angel of the Lord, are we going to die? Are we, is judgment coming? But, you know, the angel here quickly calms their fears telling them that they have nothing to fear. Now, what blessed words these must have been to hear the angel say, fear not, unto these shepherds. You know, when men tell us that we have nothing to fear, we can't always trust them, can we? You know, when men say, fear not, we, we can't trust men because men are untrustworthy. But, you know, when God declares that there's nothing to fear, we know it's true. And, you know, that's what it would have been like for these shepherds. They're standing there and the angel now says, fear not, and they can trust the angel. It's the angel of the Lord. God is truth. And so the angel here saying there's nothing to fear sets these, minds, these men's minds at ease. And the angel then goes on to tell them why they have nothing to fear from his appearance. In verse 10 again it says, fear not, 
For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Now the reason the shepherds had nothing to fear is because the message that the angel had to bring was not one of judgments. Rather, the message that the angel had to deliver on that night was one of great blessing. And the angel tells them that he came to bring good tidings of great joy. Now, the word that's translated good tidings here is the exact same word that we see later on translated right throughout the New Testament as preach the gospel. It's the same, same word. Literally, it means to announce or preach the good news. And so the angel here on this night had come to declare unto them the gospel, the good news. That's what he had. That was his message he had for these men. And not only are they told that the message is one of good news, but they're also told that it's a message of great joy. A message of great joy. You see, this message of good news was one that would bring joy to all who would hear it, not just the shepherds. But indeed, all who would hear it down through the ages. At the end of the verse, it says, which shall be to all people. It's good news of great joy for all people. All nations throughout all history. Indeed, it's a message of great joy even today for you and me. It's a message of great joy for this world. Now, far from having something to fear on that night, these shepherds were actually about to receive a great blessing from God, a great privilege from God, as they were given this declaration from the angel of the Lord. And the second statement we see is found in verse 11. We read, for unto you. Verse 11, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Here in verse 11, we see the second statement from the angel of the Lord. And this is where we actually find the announcement now of Christ's birth. You know, this is the message of good tidings of great joy. This is what he's talking about in verse 10. The angel now gives them this message, this good news. And as the angel makes this wonderful declaration of the birth, he gives this one who is born here three titles. Three titles. He calls him, first of all, a saviour. Okay, he says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a saviour. Literally, the saviour. The saviour. This one born in Bethlehem was exactly what mankind needed. Now, mankind didn't need, you know, a great conqueror. They didn't need a general. They didn't need someone to come and, you know, overthrow the Romans. But the Jews and what all mankind needed was a saviour. And this one born in Bethlehem was indeed the Savior. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Joseph was told to name him Jesus. Just turn over there. Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew 1, verse 21, it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now Joseph was told to call him Jesus. Why? Because he was going to save his people from their sins. And indeed, not just the Jews, but indeed all people. Provide salvation for all mankind throughout all ages. This is what Christ came to do. This is why he was born. He was born 
to die. He's born to, to, to live his life and go to the cross and die for you and I. To provide salvation for all mankind if we will only come to him in faith. You know, truly, this is, as the angel said, good tidings of great joy, isn't it? There is, there is no greater tidings, there is no greater news than to hear that the Savior is born, the one who will provide salvation for all mankind. This Savior then is also introduced by the angel as being the Christ. The Christ. It says in verse 11 again, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ. Now, this familiar title here, Christ, means the Messiah or the Anointed One. And so this one born in Bethlehem here is declared by the angel to be the Anointed One of Israel, the Anointed King of the Jews. You know, every Jew had been looking forward to the birth of the Messiah. Every Jew had been looking with longing expectation for the Messiah to come. And indeed, the Jews are still waiting because they missed him. This was their great expectation, looking forward for the Messiah to come. And after years of waiting for this promise, this prophecy to be fulfilled, the angel declares to these shepherds, the Messiah is born. The Messiah is born. Just turn over with me to John chapter 1. In John 1, we see something of the longing of Jews for the coming Messiah. John chapter 1 and verse 40, first of all. In John chapter 1, verse 40, it says, One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And then if you drop down to verse 45, it says, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of of Joseph. Now here we see something about this longing of the Jews for the Messiah. You know, Philip here, he's filled with great excitement, isn't he? At this one that he's met, and he runs to tell his brother Simon, and he says, I've found the Messiah. I've found the Christ. And then he goes and tells Nathaniel the same thing. He says, we found this one who is prophesied of by Moses, by the prophets. You see, the point is the Jews knew the prophecy, and the Jews were looking for this one. And so finding him was a, a, a news of great joy. It's exactly what these shepherds are told on that night. They're told that this one born in Bethlehem is the Savior and he is their Christ. He is the Messiah, the anointed one of Israel. And then the third title here is the Lord. He's called the Lord. It says at the end of verse 11 there, uh, in, born in the city of David, a Savior which is Christ the Lord. This one born in Bethlehem is the Savior. This one born in Bethlehem is the Messiah and he is the Lord. Now the title Lord indicates that he ranks above all others. It indicates his rank, that he is above all others. In Revelation 19 and verse 16, Christ is declared to be Lord of Lords. He reigns above all else. Christ as Lord, has absolute power and authority. He is sovereign. He is over all and above all. He is God manifest in the flesh. He is Lord. 
You know, truly this message from the angel was one of good tidings of great joy unto all people. Now God's only son left heaven's glory to come to earth to save us from our sins, to provide a way of salvation for all mankind. There is no greater message. There is no more joyous message than Christ the Savior is born. And beloved, this is what Christmas is all about, isn't it? For you and I as believers, it is an opportunity for us to reflect and to give thanks for the birth of our Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. It's an opportunity to give thanks to the Lord for His Son. The third statement we see here is in verse 12. He says, ye shall find... You shall find, verse 12, it says, And this shall be a sign unto you, and you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You know, the angels declared unto the shepherds, Fear not. The angel has given them this great message that the Messiah is born. And now we find the angel gives the shepherds a sign. Here in verse 12. Now, the angel says to the shepherds, he says, this shall be a sign unto you. Now, God in his grace here gives these shepherds a sign to prove that the words of the angel are true. To, you know, validify the statement of the angel. Now, God didn't have to do this, did he? God didn't have to give them a sign. God's word is always true. God is truth and that's enough. But God in his grace gives these shepherds a wondrous sign so that they can find the Messiah and worship him themselves. As we read on in this passage, we see what this sign is. It says in verse 12, And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. You know, the sign that's given to the shepherds is nothing elaborate, is it? It's nothing, you know, special, it's nothing spectacular. They're simply told where they can find this one who is the Messiah. Simply told the location of their Savior. Now they were told they could find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now just stop and think about that for a second. The shepherds have just met this angel on, in the field. They've had the glory of the Lord shine round about them. That angel has now declared unto them, that the Savior, Christ the Lord, is born. And then the angel says, and you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The angels just declared to them that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is born. And the angel says, and he's in a manger. You see, this certainly was not where they would have expected to find the babe, is it? This is not where they would have gone looking. If they had left right then without any more from the angel, and they headed into Bethlehem, this is not where they would have gone to find the baby. This is not where they would have looked. Now, you would have expected the anointed king of Israel, at the very least, to be born in the very best house in Bethlehem, wouldn't you? If not in the palace of Jerusalem, surely the very best house and the very best room in Bethlehem for the king of kings, the Messiah. But no, the shepherds are told to Look for the babe in a manger. Now immediately here we see highlighted for us the humility of Christ, don't we? The great humility of our Lord. 
Now, his birth was a humble birth. Christ, the eternal Son of God, humbled himself in leaving heaven's glory, taking the form of a man, and more than that, he's born in a manger. He's born in a stable, sorry, and laid in a manger, born in a lowly place. Now, this is the God of eternity. This is the creator, the sustainer of all things. And he humbles himself. And he's born in this lowly place and laid in a manger. You know, this sign that's given to the shepherds here truly was enough to prove the truth of the angel's message. Because even though it wasn't spectacular, it was definitely an unusual sign, wasn't it? You see, there might have been other children born in Bethlehem that night, but there was no other children lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. You see, the sign was enough to distinguish the Savior for them from all else, to point out clearly who He is. It was enough to prove the message of the angel to be true. You know, if the angel hadn't given them this sign, as I said earlier, they probably wouldn't have found the baby. Probably would have gone to Bethlehem and looked everywhere else but in the stable. Why would you look in the stable for a baby? You know, even if they had stumbled across the baby in the stable, they probably wouldn't have accepted him as being the Messiah. Because why would the Messiah be born in a stable and laid in the manger? You know, because they are given this great sign, when they find the Lord Jesus in the manger, they worship him for who he is. They believe the sign. The fourth and last statement now we find is glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now having declared to the shepherds this good tidings, this good news, the gospel, that Christ the Savior is born and, and also telling the shepherds where they can find him. The angel is now joined by a multitude of the heavenly host. In verse 13 we read, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, now suddenly this angel of the Lord is no longer alone. This angel of the Lord is no longer alone. Suddenly, before the shepherds now, there is a great multitude of angels. Now, the word that's translated multitude, multitude here means fullness. Fullness. It basically means that the whole area was full of angels. That's what it means. The whole area is full of angels. All around the shepherds now, there is angels in this field. Now, what a sight this must have been to behold. Mate, what experience these shepherds have had on this night. They've met an angel of the Lord. They've seen the glory of the Lord. They've been given this great message. And now there is this great heavenly host before them, filling the field before them. You see, the point is that all heaven took notice of the birth of the Savior that night. Now, even if mankind didn't take notice, and indeed mankind still doesn't take notice, the host of heaven took notice as Christ the Savior was born. Heaven was moved at his birth. Now this great host came to earth and stood before the shepherds to join in with the angel in this final 
statement of praise unto God. In verse 14, we read this statement. It says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, obviously, there are two parts to this great statement from the angels. The first, glory to God in the highest. You know, these are words of praise unto God for the events that have just occurred at Bethlehem. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in heaven. Glory and praise unto Him. The angels, you know, they've just witnessed the eternal Son of God who's left heaven's glory. They've witnessed Him being born as a baby in Bethlehem. And they know His eternal purpose. They know why He is there. And now they sing praise unto God. They give glory and honor unto God. You see, with the birth of the Savior, God's love, God's grace, God's mercy is manifested for all to see. And these angels are wondering at God's love, at God's grace, God's mercy. That God would provide a way of salvation for sinful mankind is truly amazing. It's truly a glorious thing. And these angels, knowing full well Christ's purpose, are looking and they're giving glory to God in the highest for His birth. Indeed, the birth of the Savior brought glory to God. In the second part of the statement now, we see that Christ's birth also provided the means for peace on earth. Verse 14, again, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now, Christ's birth brought glory to God, and it was to bring peace on earth. You know, peace in the sense, sorry, in the true sense of the word. You see, peace is much more than just the absence of war. Rather, true peace is harmony within and harmony without. True peace is harmony with God. It's being at peace with God in one's heart. True peace is, you know, if you like, the perfect state of man, isn't it? It's what we lost when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. True peace is being brought back into a relationship with Almighty God, being brought back into sweet fellowship with Him once again. And this is what Christ came to do. He came to bring peace on earth. To bring peace to our hearts so that you and I no longer had to be the enemies of God, but now we can have peace with God. Now Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 declares, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Christ came to do, to bring peace on earth. But it's not peace in the sense of absence of war. It's peace in our hearts. It's peace with God. It's a peace that cannot be found, cannot be understood without Christ. He is the source of that peace. You know, this Christmas, the world will speak about peace because they do every year, don't they? They talk about peace and a longing for peace. But they cannot understand true peace without Christ. Now, as it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Christ is the Prince of Peace. You see, peace without Christ is not peace at all. It's fake, it's not real. The Word of God is clear. If you and I want real peace, it can only be found in Christ and Christ alone. He came to bring peace on earth, to bring peace between God and man. 
You know, truly the angels' proclamation here, the angels' announcement of the Savior's birth is one of great good tidings of great joy. You know, it's one that ought to thrill our souls even this Christmas as we remember his birth, as we remember what he came to do. At times, it, you know, we have to sort of look through all the, the haze of everything else that goes on at Christmas time, don't we? The world has thrown so much else into it. We strip it all away and we need to focus on Christ. That's what Christmas is about. It's about Him. And as we remember Him this Christmas, as we remember His birth, let us rejoice. Let us rejoice that God in His great love, God in His mercy, sent His only Son so that we might have peace. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank You for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for the angel's proclamation on that first Christmas Eve. The angel's proclamation to these, these lowly shepherds, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for the, the great truths contained therein in each of these statements, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that this Christmas you would help each of us to indeed remember and give thanks for the good news, the, the glad tidings, and Lord, all that it means to us. And Lord, may we declare that unto those around us, to the lost. May you help us to declare to them the truth, that Christ came to bring peace, true peace, peace with you. And we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.